Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Hey, everybody. For the past six months, we've been asking all the guests if you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and say, please, just do this one thing, what would that thing be? And the reason we ask that question is because we can get caught up so much in the details of um, what's a risk and how do we measure it and is this uh, an effective control and like all these detailed kind of questions where a lot of judgments applied and I like to just bring it back to what is the most important thing that we should keep in mind especially when I get bogged down in the details that's what generally helps me so that's the intent of that question and so what we've done is we've compiled a series of answers around that as well as a few others uh, that we just felt like were really good advice that was given. So we've got 10 people. First up, we have audit analytics futurist and philanthropic leader Peyton Hahn of the Western and Southern Financial Group. If you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and say, just do this one thing, just do this thing, what would that be? <laughs> okay, uh, this was very simple, but I think it's so true. It's probably ask more questions. Ask more questions of your auditee, ask more questions of your manager, ask more questions of your data analytics team if you don't understand like what you're seeing or something. Um, I think there's like I, I know I get into this sometimes where like I have such a focus on efficiency that I'm like, how can I get everything I need in as few questions or take as little time of my right. oddity as I can. But then you kind of realize, you know, actually it's just better to ask more questions and make sure you really, really understand it. Um, so you don't have to come back to them later or you don't come back to them with, you know, incorrect uh, assumptions or outcomes just because you didn't take the time. I think sometimes auditors, we feel like we're really like, um, uh, what's where I'm looking for that were a nuisance to our oddity that were like taking their time and it's such a bother, but really it's like, you know, as long as you're thinking through and asking good questions, um, I don't feel like you can ever ask enough. So ask more questions. Cause I see a lot of auditors that don't, and it really just drags things out forever and ever, or it leads to like a lot of misunderstandings down the road. I think I would say, especially uh, new hires. I know when I started, I didn't know what was going on and mm -hmm. I didn't want to ask the dumb question um, 
or feel like I, I was already supposed to know everything. So I wouldn't ask. And then it just, it kind of comes back to bite you because eventually I had to go back and ask the follow-up question anyway. Cause I was like, well, I can't finish this because I don't know the answer. So, yeah. so yeah, I think that's great. I could have used that, that advice, especially coming out of school. Coming up next, we have chief internal auditor, number one best-selling author, and innovator who teaches you how to learn to pass your certification exam so that you make more money, enhance your career. And as of very recently, Dr. Sabine Charles from the TAPA Institute. Congratulations, Dr. Sabine Charles on earning the PhD recently. Don't be afraid to show who you are. Because what happens is that we are trained to be objective. And sometimes that doesn't mean that we should not be connected. We need to be objective, but also have the ability to share what we think and process the information and communicate that. And that's something that I would like to, if I were to take someone and shake them and say, communicate and be you, and it's okay to make mistakes, because we're always going against the client, you know, and I'm saying going against because some people believe that's the way it is. And that's the piece where we need to work more in that collaboration piece and being clear in how we communicate with not only amongst us, but with the auditee. I wish I would have been given that advice when I came out of school. When I was in public accounting, I thought I was supposed to like talk a certain way or write even a certain way or dress a certain way. And it took like a solid year before I felt comfortable enough to, to be myself. It also doesn't help that I have a bit of a smart mouth. And I was like, I'm probably going to get fired or like I'm HR is going to be banging on my door <laughs> if I'm myself, you know, <laughs> but that that's great advice. It really hits home for me. Followed up by another doctor the VP of audit content at ACI learning, which is great. You guys should check it out. They do a lot of free stuff. So it's good to check out. That's ACI learning. Next up is Dr. Hernan Murdoch. And we've hit on some somewhat random topics, um, operational audits, data tools, soft skills. I mean, those are usually we take one of those and, and make that an entire show, but given your, your background, uh, I wanted to get your opinion on uh, your opinion on those uh, somewhat selfishly. Those are the questions that I had and I was curious about. Mm -hmm. And so with that said, I did want to give you obviously a chance. Is there anything that you would want to leave the audience with? I think uh, an important dynamic that's playing out now, well, two of them really. Uh, one of them has to do with work from home. I think as we think about the profession and how we have traditionally organized ourselves in teams and in the workplace, a lot of it had to do with seeing people and, and having them nearby. We've always had multinational organizations that had remote auditors and we mm -hmm. had to work with that and, and bring them in periodically and so on. I think that that is an interesting topic to look at, at how the workplace is evolving and how audit needs to adapt to that in a broader sense, because it's not just for those multinationals anymore. It is just about every organization that near or far, you have people who are remote, so how are we going to um, keep them informed? How are we going to keep them motivated? How are we going to build bonds between the staff? The other big topic that I think is interesting to look at is in terms of how people learn. So the traditional approach has been, you go to college or university for a while, maybe in graduate school, you get a certification or something like that. And then you go to your training 40 CPs per year or something like it, quite often you go to a class or a conference. Mm -hmm. 
And, and a lot of it was on site, right? You, you go someplace and you get your training. Well, once again, now that we're seeing a very decentralized and technology heavy interaction dynamic playing out, how are people going to learn? And are they ready to learn in that new modality? And I think that learning to unlearn and learning to relearn becomes very important too, because everything is changing so rapidly and fundamentally. So I believe that those two are very interesting dynamics that are happening around us very quickly, and we need to adapt somehow and thrive in it, because that's, the, that's kind of what the future looks like, and I think we need to be ready. We need to be future ready. When, when we say learning how to unlearn, what is it that we should be unlearning? So some of the expectations, for example, uh, we, we used to very much rely on, um, uh, let's say, um, having someone teach you something, right? You have someone who will show you something or tell you something. Now you have to research on your own in many cases or find where the information may be. Some things are easy to obtain now. People can go to Google, for example, and there's a video or something out there in many cases. But how do you then learn that based on that way of the content being delivered to you? How do you then uh, adapt it to your environment if you need to tweak it? Because in some cases, there's going to be some adaptation necessary. So who do you go to when you have a question? Because if you don't have the instructor there next to you, who do you ask? Right. So being able to be resourceful. And then the other dynamic here is in terms of procrastination. So again, another interesting human dynamic where if you're going to a class, you have a date, you have a location, you have the instructor in front of you who is going to prod you, if you will, to, to do this, do that, you know, respond to this question, participate in that exercise, come back tomorrow with this information or something like it. You're on your own. So we have to relearn how to manage your time how to be self-motivated and how to stay on task because you don't have someone next to you. This applies to the training and learning side of things, but also when it comes to work. If you're going to work from home and you have your refrigerator calling you, you have your yard and your garden calling you, you have the dry cleaners calling you and, and so many other distractors, right? How do you make sure that you don't drift and you don't fall behind in terms of what you're supposed to do? So unlearning some of the, the, the practices and old habits and how we relearn what we need to learn in terms of technical skills, soft skills, personal management, self-management skills, and interaction with others. All of these dynamics are now uh, are, are for, for discussion and, and revisiting. Next, we have the head of data science evangelism at NIME. That's K-N-I-M-E, NIME, Rosario Salipo. If you are good to go Excel-wise and you're looking to move to another tool, something more advanced, NIME is highly recommended. It is also free with the desktop version and can do literally everything, basic analytics all the way up to machine learning. So if you're looking to move up the uh, analytics maturity model a little bit, then that's a good one to check out. So one, uh, one thing that uh, I always tell students, I teach sometimes at university, so that they always tell students to, um, to do is to start easy. Uh, it's always easier to complicate things. Um, so even for a model, if you want to, to do, I don't know, time series prediction, for example, always start with the easiest. And then if it doesn't work, you can complicate it. It's much more complicated to do 
to start with something super complex, I don't know, an LSTM architecture that takes forever to train, and then you realize that uh, a linear regression would have worked anyway, right? Uh, so yeah, it, it does, it does. Sometimes, I mean, the problems we have, they are not always complicated. Sometimes they are easy and traditional methods work the same as complex methods, as more advanced methods. So start easy and then complicate things. That's definitely something I would tell them. There is always time to complicate things. Uh, there is no time to simplify things if you have done a solution that requires too much time and too much effort and too much computational power and too much of everything. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. Next, we have CEO and co-founder of Risk360 and prolific daily poster of all things security and audit on LinkedIn, Christian Hyatt. And I know you used to uh, you used to be the big four. You have audit background. Your security now we play together, which is obviously one reason you're on the show. Um, so you might have to reach back into your your audit brain. But if you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and be like, just please do this, just do this one thing, what would that be? Um, I mean, I think it's just business acumen. I would beg all of our auditors to understand the business models of the businesses that they serve. And I think that makes you a better risk manager, helps you ask better questions, mm -hmm. helps you escalate the right questions. I think that uh, a thing that a lot of auditors can fall in the trap of, and this comes in my world, it's security audits, but it could be financial audits is you get into this check the box kind of, you know, I have an audit plan. I'm going to execute against that audit plan. And then it becomes robotic mm -hmm. and you kind of forget to take a step back, say, what is the business model? How urgent are these different things? Are there things I'm not looking at? And I remember back in my career, there was firms, and I'm ashamed to say this, there were companies I was auditing and I, and I didn't know what they did. Like a, a new staff would join the project and they'd be like, what do these guys do? And I'd be like, I really, I'm not hundred percent sure like yeah. how they make money. And if I could just start all over, like I would really be um, passionate about understanding the business models in which I'm auditing. And I think that'll just make you a better partner, better auditor overall. So I would highly encourage that. Yeah. Love that. We, we had someone that I asked one time, she's, she had her, she's had her own, um, external audit firm for 30 years or so. And so I asked her, do you think it's more important to know audit or to know the business? And she didn't, she didn't even blink. She said the business. And that's been one of my favorite um, kind of lessons learned from the show. So it's good to hear other folks kind of reiterate the same. Yeah. You're just All trying right. to uncover risk, right? I mean, you're just trying to uncover risk at the end of the day. Yeah. And you can't do that effectively unless you kind of understand the prism in which they do business so you can escalate that stuff. So I, I would agree with her. Next, we have the head of internal audit at Snowflake. For those that don't know, Snowflake is a data warehouse as a service, something I think that everyone should at least check out just so they understand uh, new advances in data warehousing and SaaS providers and analytics. But anyway, next is Amrita Kapoor. Right. Um, you know, I would say business knowledge, you, having 
you know, understanding of the domain area that you're working on, understanding the risks and the business model, because how can you go and audit something if you don't understand how it works and how can you really contextualize it for your stakeholders? So I would think that's the number one thing. How would you go about doing that? Like if you were new to an organization that's outside of the industry that you're used to, what would you do? Would you go, hey, how do we make money? Okay, let's start there. Like, where would you start in learning the business? Yeah, I mean, how I started is by looking at the financials. Uh, you go online, if it's a public company, you get to see their quarterly annual financials and it gives you a good overview of the business. Um, you know, an investor relations website, go and check it out in terms of what the business is. Uh, they have details on how they make money. And then obviously just having that innate curiosity to know, right? Because how can you go and provide perspectives and um, insights into risks if you don't even know what they do? So I would say that's the number one thing for auditors. And it's it's not always easy because you got to keep up with the times. It's very dynamic. But, you know, I think that's uh, that's what I would say. Coming up next is the former Senior Director of Global Risk Management at Nike, at least that's what Anne was when we recorded her episode. She is currently the Executive Leader of Enterprise Risk and Assurance at Whole Foods. Here's Anne DiTraglio. Oh my God, just remember it's not about you. <laughs> you know, seriously, like I think, especially when you're new in your audit career, it's like, you get so deep into everything when you're auditing, right? And it's like, you're so proud of all the things you know about this space. And then I think it gets difficult for people to understand. We don't need to know all the things that you know. We just need to know the insights that you have from that. And, you know, just being a, like less wordy. I feel like people want to put all their things on the paper. Like, look what I did. Yeah. It's like, this is my report and I've got it for you. Um, you know, I tell my teams, be brief, be brilliant, be gone. You know, like give them the insights they need and the help they need and move on. Next, we have the machine learning audit person in the country. Andrew Clark, co-founder and CTO of Monitor. If you have machine learning at your organization, which you probably do, and it's starting to pop up as a risk, then that's definitely an organization and someone that you should reach out to and talk to. If you Google machine learning internal audit, you're likely going to see Andrew's name somewhere on there. So be sure to check that out. I think it's working a little bit more integrated. Uh, it's been a trend that's kind of been talked about for a while in auditing. I mean, even just recently, I, I think it was last quarter, maybe it was a quarter ago, uh, like I, I just read a recent Osaka article, the need for combined assurance in IT audit. Like it's it's a topic that, I mean, a couple of years ago, we were talking about it, we're talking about it now, but it's always yeah. just like this new idea that everybody's like, that's a great idea, but no one really does, is the combined audits, especially as we like the more things we'll get into today, the more technical we get things and the more integrated companies are. It's not like payroll is just done in this little silo now. And like, you just have someone adding up numbers all day. Like you need to have a lot of times to address enterprise risks is really getting auditors to work together more. Some of the departments I've worked with, there's been little fiefdoms of, you know, financial audit, IT audit, and the analytics people are over here and then the yeah. model people are over here. And it working together like is, I mean, it's cliche, but it seems to be one of the big things that for auditors conceptually get it, but have a hard time actually doing it. How would you actually do it? I know you've been out of the audit space for a little mm -hmm. while, uh, directly at least in terms of internal audit, um, but how, how would you go about doing it? 
Well, it depends on what type of audit, but for example, for like a, uh, a cloud audit, for instance, or something like that, you would want to have, you know, the checking, there's so many ways even fraud can happen financially with that. So you want to have, do a combined, like get the different audit heads and be combining like the audit work plan and try and scope it together. Because one of the common things I see is like, people will be like, hitting the same thing in multiple each audit department will kind of do their thing mm-hmm. and they'll hit that same that same group they're auditing will get hit five times during the year versus doing it together but also you miss gaps when you don't have people working together with this so it's like everybody would goes in on these audit work programs so most audit departments have audit work programs so like coordinate together on what these are and like we're doing a cloud audit of our aws well finance will come in and make sure that the you know, what's the, how's it go against budgets and making sure that, uh, you know, it's being journal entry correctly and all those types of fun things. And then that's where IT will then look at segregation of duties and things. And then what's, what systems are actually being done there? Well, oftentimes the model audit folks are going to be then coming back two months later to hit a model that's being used there for like loss forecasting or something like yeah. that. We'll try and prep work a little bit better of figuring out how stuff uh, in, integrates that's also really hard to understand the audit universe well enough to know what's there and then coordinate all the, the schedules. But I've seen it. I've been part of a couple audits that have done that correctly. I know it's very hard to pull off and that's why it's like shake them by the shoulders, but also like, it's just hard to do correctly. Yeah, and yeah. It's hard to get all the schedule sequence, but it's really having the pre-planning is what's most important to get that done right correctly. Next, we have one of the most downloaded episodes of the year so far the VP of Internal Audit at API Group, Josh Holgren. Yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to use my past experience, right? And I've got a lot of, I've got 20 years and, and in no way am I the most intelligent person there is. And almost everything I've learned, I've learned through failures and just like everybody else, right? So um, to get to where I'm at, I've had to fail a lot of times. And, and you know, the one thing that I've learned and, and I, I push people on very very heavily has to do with soft skills, actually, of all things when it comes to audit. Um, it's, ama- it's amazing. You know, look, I've had a lot of CFOs come back to me and give me compliments and, and give me suggestions. And I've never had someone come back and say, gosh, you know, you're just, you're so technical and, and you just, you're able to just, you're, you're, you're problem solving. No, 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 no. It's always, boy, your ability to be able to handle people and understand where they're at and be able to apply that to solving the problem. It's always about soft skills. And, and, and I find auditors in general, in general, this is general, there's still, there's, there's a lot of really good auditors out there, but soft skills is an area that most people lack. And it's, it's something that you don't, you know, there's not training on it. It's, it's, you, you gotta be forced into it and just start doing it. Um, and, and, and I could go into an hour long speech just on soft skills alone. Um, I, but I push it heavily. I push my team all the time into, you know, look, if you're going out on, out on site, make sure you take them out to lunch, make sure you take them out to dinner, make sure you understand how many kids they have, where they went to school. And it's not about becoming fake, right? I'm not, we're not pharmaceutical sales reps here. My goal isn't to build a Rolodex and beta impress people with what I know about you. It's about building a relationship and about building trust uh, because auditors in general have a, uh, people look at us as police and look at us, you know, you come out and people, you don't, you know, like, ah, the auditors are here. Well, if you've built a relationship and you've built a trust factor and, and they look at you as a normal a, a human being who has their best interest in mind, it, it breaks down walls and barriers. And it's amazing, you, you know, what you're able to get out of that. And, and in particular, the day that you start getting people calling you, 
with their issues and asking you, Hey, look, I have a situation. Um, I want to make sure I do this right. You know, what's the right way to do this. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and we, we have instances, as a matter of fact, it's kind of funny because we'll, we'll get phone calls about accounting treatment and we're like, well, really you should talk to the finance team. Yeah. <laughs> we're the auditors. Let me, let me, you know, dial in the controller and the controller's like, why are you, why are they calling you? And I'm like, cause we built the relationship. Lastly, we have my former teaching assistant when I was taking my database class in college and current SVP head of attack service reduction at U.S. Bank, Justin Allen. Give me more heads up than the same quarter you're coming in. Um, and I would say that has been a consistent beef that I've gotten is, or had, not gotten, a consistent beef that I've had is that we end up doing more unplanned work for audits than we do um, for anything else. And it just, the lack of heads up and planning, I typically find out about an audit when the first day letter is issued. I will say that my current employer is pretty good about it. They publish things and we've got a new audit director and he's really killer about um, partnering with us giving us a good heads up about what's going on, trying to be as, uh, how do I say this, uh, least impactful as possible. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I, I think the majority of people that sit in my seat understand the value of an audit. Like, I, I get it. And I think that it's really helpful. What I wish that it wasn't was so impactful to my work um, and and so intensive to, you know, what we do so it like it takes my guys away and if i've got the whole quarter planned out i now have to re rearrange my quarter for that three or four week right impact that we're going to have where people are getting pulled away and having to go in eight different directions to get information pulled differently and that that's the part that i wish so so pre-planning and pre-notification as far ahead as possible even if you could give me a year heads up that'd be fantastic man i, I would love that i could plan for it so that's what I would like to grab pretty much every auditor and shake them and tell them. Hey everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the audit podcast, whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.